How's it going? How's it going, folks? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are, another day with another great study at hand. We're going to continue on our look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, and we are up to verse 46. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 9, verse 46. And we're going to continue on there, taking a look at what it's saying, how it's being said, and how we can apply it to ourselves for our own learning, the why it's important. So, going through this, as we see, we've broken down chapter 9 a fair bit. This is part 7 of our chapter 9 section of the Gospel of Luke. There's just so much information, and again, even though we've broken it down so much, we've spent so much time on it, we've just skipped the stone across the surface. Uh, if if we wanted, we could slow right down and spend a lifetime on chapter 9. There's that much stuff in there that we can just keep diving in. Every word, every part, every passage, every verse, there's so much. And this is, uh, right there, is a, a picture of where it came from, the Word of God. It, as God is infinite, so is his word. His word is endless, boundless, infinite. And there, there's information in every single nook and cranny of every single passage that you could look into. It is so powerful. And this is why it's so important to study the word of God and not just read it. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, a lot of people, they take their Bible and they read it like they would any novel. They read it for the stories, and that's all that they see. They just see Noah in the ark. They just see uh, Daniel in the lion's den. They just see Jesus walking on the water. They see you know, Jesus going to the cross, dying, being buried, rising again. But they don't dive into the depths of these things. They don't uh, uh, look at the... Uh, the doctrine and the theology, the applications, the cross-referencing. Uh, they don't look at the prophecies. They don't look at all the stuff that comes for our learning. They just see it as a book of metaphors, allegories, stories, and all these kinds of things. And it just ends there. Uh, our, our personal walk with the Lord suffers so much when we ignore the depth of Scripture. We got a lot of surface value Christians, and we have no warriors of doctrine. We got to learn how to walk in doctrine, walk in theology. Now, some some people I've actually seen them. <laughs> I've actually seen these people. I always thought it was kind of a joke until some some of these people actually started coming and making these comments to me, saying, "Well, I, I don't need theology. I just need Jesus." And okay. Don't need theology, just need Jesus. All right. Um, so I put a, a meme up on Instagram that shows the two guys sitting there. One guy says says that line, I don't need theology, just need Jesus. And the other guy says, well, who's Jesus? First guy says, well, well Jesus, the son of God, who came to, uh, the, to die on the cross for our sins. That guy says, you're doing theology. <laughs> Theology is the is the description, the uh, the meanings, the definitions of these things. You know, 
Who is Jesus? Why did he go to the cross? How am I a sinner? What is sin? You break everything down. That's when you truly learn. So this is what we've been doing and walking through uh, the books of the Bible, walking through the Gospels and all this it is we're learning how to study. That's what I'm trying to present here. Um, there are different levels of theologians. I'm not really that much of a theologian. <laughs> Uh, but uh, what I do is I try to focus on the basics, the basics of the gospel, how to be saved. I'm an evangelist first. Uh, so I, I show you Jesus and salvation by grace through faith, by belief alone. Uh, I show you what the gospel is, who, who Jesus is according to scripture. And I walk you through the basics of the doctrines, the basics of theology, the basics of Bible study. So that's what I'm trying to present, trying to, to help other people to kickstart their learning and their studies. Now, take this and go and show others. So with that, we're going to start here. Luke chapter 9, verse 46. Now, if we back up and take a look at what we were just going over, and this is how you should always start your studying. Whenever you come back to it is refresh your mind on the previous context and continue from there because most times not always but most times when you go to pick up and and uh, continue your studies it's a continuation of the previous context so you don't want to cherry pick or break it from that you want to read it in narrative some uh sometimes you'll even see that the narrative flows into the next chapter where they put a chapter division there which they ought not to have because the, 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 the chapter verse divisions were added to help with studying and research and being able to locate uh, stuff in the scriptures more easily. Um, sometimes they put the chapter verse divisions where it should not be and it kind of breaks up the narrative. Always read ahead a little bit and you'll notice sometimes the narrative continues in the next chapter or whatever. Alright, so if we back up we see... What Jesus is talking about is the boy that was possessed. And his father came and begged Jesus to cast a demon out of his son. And Jesus talks about this. And we talked about uh, the key that Jesus brings up in this. <clears throat> is some of these come not out but by prayer and fasting. And fasting. And we talked about that in great depth. And then how the disciples were not able to cast it out. And Jesus tells them because of your unbelief. And we pair this with the other text of Matthew 17. So Jesus goes on to explain some of these things. In verse 45, And they understood not his saying, and it was hid from them that they perceived it not, and they feared to ask him of that saying. See, a lot of people are afraid to bring some things up. They're afraid to address. They're afraid to search it out. They're afraid to ask questions. You should never be afraid to ask questions. If there's something on your mind you're wondering about, always ask. How else are you going to learn? Always ask. Never be afraid to bring it up. Well, some people, you're afraid that some people might think, you know, there's something wrong with you or how could you not know that? Well, everybody learns at a different rate and different speed. And, and if other people are going to look down on you for asking questions in any way, shape or form, those are the people that have the problem, not you who are asking questions. So keep that in mind. Never be afraid to ask questions. They feared to ask him of that saying. Ask of the Lord. Ask and ye shall receive. See, that's a he's our father. We're his children. And he wants us to come to him. Uh, he wants us to come as dear children. 
those little children to come to him to sit on his lap look up at him and say abba father and ask him questions talk to him this is what he wants he wants openness and so we see the disciples here are missing out because of their timidity because of their uh, hesitation never hesitate with the lord be open with the lord be a glass house with the lord as it says he's our wonderful counselor he'll teach us and instruct us all right so we move on in verse 46 so luke chapter 9 verse 46 grab a tea grab a coffee we're going to be studying the word of god and if you have any comments questions issues insights regarding the uh, text at hand please by all means go ahead ask away if it's not related to the topic at hand if you could just please hold that to the end of the study i'm trying to limit our rabbit trailing which we always fail at because we're always rabbit trailing okay <laughs> good morning good morning okay so luke chapter 9 verse 46 so if you if you're able to get your bible go get your bible it, you need to be able to see this stuff you need to follow along with this so it works best if you have your bible handy all right. All right. So Luke, Luke chapter nine, verse 46. <clears throat> then there arose a reasoning among them, which of them should be greatest. Doesn't that sound familiar? Okay. <laughs> now, when we take a look at scripture here to see who's the greatest well if we if we even just ask that question just generically which of the uh, different bible characters would you say were, were some of the greatest well some would say mm, moses uh, he did some pretty great stuff elijah yeah he did some great stuff daniel yep okay what about peter paul um what about david Okay, yeah, they did some great stuff. <clears throat> they also also did some great horrible stuff. They were also horrible, horrible men. They did some horrible, horrible things. Okay, well, aside from Jesus, Jesus is God, of course. But uh, but we see so, so the characters here. But who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Of men and women. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? Well, this is where, as we see in Scripture, it says that God is no respecter of persons. Now, we got to take that in context here of what Jesus is talking about. So when they, when they, it says here, they are reasoning and discussing and debating which of them should be the greatest. You know, which which one of the disciples is going to be over the others is more important than the others who's going to be more important this is what this is implying and jesus said unto them this is where we get the whole faith as a child teaching Verse 47, Jesus perceiving the thought of their heart. Okay. If you're into underlining, highlighting, or marking your Bible, please take a look at verse 47. 
perceiving the thought of their heart. Uh, can prophets, holy men, or angels perceive, know the thoughts of your heart? Uh, no. Only God can see the thoughts of the heart. Perceiving the thoughts of their heart, Jesus, perceiving the thoughts of their heart, took a child and set him by him. He, he took a little child that was there and he set the little child beside him. And then he looks at his disciples and he says unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. And we want to compare this to the other gospels and the other mentions in scripture about faith as a child, to be as a child. Um, <clears throat> now, does this mean child as in like uh, immature little goofy kid kind of thing? No. But as you see, the context is faith, belief, the simplicity of. We have a tendency to complicate things. We, we judge people by what they're doing instead of who they are. You see, some people can go and accomplish incredible things, but they're horrible people. So it's, it has nothing to do with the accomplishments and the feats of the hand, uh, but rather of the attitude and the behavior of the heart, the personality, the character. You see, Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest of all the prophets. But John the Baptist accomplished no great feats. John the Baptist did no miracles. He slew no giants. He defeated no Egypts. He did nothing. He went about and ate grasshoppers and he preached the gospel. That's all he did. That's all he did. He wore camel skin, he ate grasshoppers and wild honey, well, locusts, if you want to be technical. And he, and he wandered about being baked by the sun, and he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's called the greatest of all the prophets. So John the Baptist, who accomplished no great feats or miracles or any of that kind of thing, is greater than Moses, greater than Elijah, greater than David. Jesus says, if you want to be great, you got to be like a child. Well, what is the context? Faith, belief, simplicity. Took a child and set him by him. I'm going to compare this with what the scriptures talk about. We come before the Lord all boldness before his throne. We call him Abba, Father. Abba means daddy abba so think of the cry of a little child unto their parent and think of a child's faith they're very believing very trusting very trusting they believe anything you tell them that's it right there that we would just believe anything that he tells us 
pure and simple, blind faith, whatever he tells us. Not what other people tell us, what he tells us. As a child also learns to not trust strangers, to not to listen to strangers, that anyone else that would come up to them, they don't trust them, they don't listen to them, they go to their parent and they ask them about that and they believe only what the parent tells them. Like a child. Simple faith, simple belief, blind faith, absolute belief. That the child runs to the parent at anything and everything that comes their way. Something breaks, take it up, and I broke it, and he fixes it. Whoever sh shall receive this child in my name. Now, what does that also mean? You see, when it comes to religion, it's very self-centered, self-conceited, self-righteous, self-focused. And that you look down on others and you think yourself better than, holier than, more mystical than others. And the others that aren't as, as regal and mystical and holy swelled up that you put push them aside and especially children the, the the way they behave and they have no understanding and you get the kids away you know and we need to focus and do our things but jesus says you receive the children children laugh a lot children often they're quite happy they love to play and they have such a curious mind curious mind and they ask questions and they're 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 happy they're joyful they're glad and jesus says to receive children to be as dear children he doesn't want us to be long-faced horse-faced super somber serious you know walk in the monkish uh, you know parade and you know with our chants and we're all so <laughs> i can't even get through that uh he doesn't want us to be like that we're not monks and nuns and monasteries and, and nunneries we're not mountaintop mystics and gurus we're supposed to be as a family and to be as joyful as children what scripture says our faith will be strong the simpler we are we don't complicate things just what does it say that's what it means ask in that manner pray in that manner to be in that manner uh, so simplistic so joyful so glad so childlike in belief of faith you want to be great be simple you want to be great in the kingdom of God? Be as a child. You see, the world has it the other way around. If you want to be great, you need to be mysterious and complicated and deep. And, and you you got to achieve and do. That's the complete opposite with the Lord. That it's not us that's doing any of the things. It's the Lord. It's not our philosophies. It's the Lord's word. It's the mysteries of God, not the mysteries of our mind. 
the dark things of the heart, the dark mysteries of the heart is the word of God. The mysteries of God, the mysteries of the Godhead, the mysteries of the kingdom of God, not the mysteries of the universe and our philosophies. And... Whosoever shall receive this child in my name, that you wouldn't refuse to sit with children. Let me just ask you a question. Why would you not want to sit down with the children? Well, because they're, they're immature. <laughs> and you're not. And you're not. Really. Don't be so high and mighty. Compare ourselves to the Lord. We're brainless kids. <laughs> it's to not be so prideful to think yourself better. We're not better than children. In the eyes of the Lord, we're equal. To not think ourselves better than anyone else. To not think ourselves higher than anyone else. We're beneath everyone else and every, every, we're all equal in the eyes of God. He is no respecter of persons. So this pedestal system of who's more important than who doesn't exist. Men, women, and children are equal in the eyes of God. You want to talk about equality? You talk about Jesus Christ. Men are not better than women in the eyes of Christ, nor are men better than children. Now, this is a concept that every single other belief system in the entire world doesn't get. Only Jesus Christ teaches this one. Even Roman Catholicism doesn't understand this one. There is no hierarchy of importance in the born-again Christian faith when it comes to mankind. People kind. When it comes to mankind, it is, we look at this, the joy, the simplicity, the emotions, the passion, the fervency, the zealousness, the excitement, the joy, the curiosity. This is what scripture is talking about. To receive this child. This child. Now, we do not know what the child's name was. We don't know where they came from. We know nothing about them. We do not even know what this child was behaving like. That's because it doesn't matter. That's because all children are the same in the eyes of God. God doesn't discriminate between the children. He loves all children. He loves all people. He doesn't reject any. God calls all men everywhere to repent. He wants all people everywhere to believe and to have simple faith. Whosoever shall receive me, receiveth him that sent me. Now there's something else. When it comes to relationship, when it comes to the Christian faith, is how we look at one another, we look at each other. Is a, is, we look at each other as a part of the family of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ. 
He's our God. He's our Father. He's our friend. And we're brothers and sisters of the same family. We have the same authority. We have the same level of importance as each other in Christ. And we receive each other and bless each other as we would receive and bless Christ. Nobody's over or more important than anyone else. The pastor is not more important than the congregation, and the congregation is not more important than the pastor. Now, there is something a lot of religions don't get. They have this hierarchy of clergy where the the priests and the gurus and all these and the popes and the cardinals or whatever else you want to call them are, are higher and more important and holier and myst more mystical. That's anti-scripture. That's unbiblical. Whosoever shall receive me, receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. You want to be the greatest? You need to be the least. Servants. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Now, I want you just to use your sanctified imagination just for a moment. We don't really picture that one much. Jesus is God Almighty manifested in the flesh so scripture says if you don't believe that you need to go back and actually read the bible jesus is god almighty manifested in the flesh okay the god that spoke and created the universe he stood up set aside his royal robes came down into this world walked the dusty roads he ate and drank with us. He walked with us. He fellowshiped with us. He went to the feasts and the weddings and the parties with us. God Almighty put on servants' clothes, kneeled down in front of the disciples with a bowl of water, and God Almighty grabbed their dirty feet and washed their feet as a servant. Kind of hard to wrap your mind around that God Almighty would do that. Could you imagine the reactions of the angels? Okay, the angels of God, they, they their eyes would have been wide and they'd be like, what is he doing? This is God. course i'm taking liberties with that but to think about that and then jesus says as you as i have done so you should do to serve one another that you would put yourself under to not think yourself as more important if i your master could do this so can you why would we not then why, why are we so hesitant to put ourselves in a servant position, to serve one another, to put others first, others first, charity, 
brotherly love. Whosoever shall receive me, receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. Pride is of the devil, just as Olga says there. Pride is of the devil. Exactly. Pride is a faith killer. Pride is a blessing killer. Pride is a destroyer in more ways than one. Pride does away with childlike faith. Pride does away with the teachings of Jesus. Pride changes Jesus into something other than what Scripture shows. Because all the teachings of humility and meekness and grace and brotherly love is all done away. It's all done. It, it, it's all ripped out of Scripture the moment we bring pride into it. Pride also changes the very gospel. Because it's by grace through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. Boasting's pride. We have nothing to boast of. Did John the Baptist have anything to boast of? Well, I guess, being facetious about it, but I guess, if, if you really wanted to twist it, I guess he could have boasted he ate more locusts and grasshoppers than you ever could. But that's beside the point. But the thing is, as a character, there's nothing that John the Baptist had to boast of. Moses had high education and was the deliverer of Israel. <laughs> Elijah was the prophet of Israel who defeated the, the prophets of Baal. David was king. See, achievements are irrelevant. Achievements are irrelevant. You see, we look at George Mueller, a man of faith, great faith, and we look at his accomplishments and we... we classify him as great because of what he accomplished no that's entirely missing the point he was great because he had faith not because he did you don't look at the works of the individual you look at their relationship with the lord he was great and george Mueller was great because of his relationship with god it was great because look at his prayer life. Look at his devotional life. Look at how much of a child he was in faith and belief. That's what made him great. And because of his simplicity and his childlikeness, the Lord was able to work more abundantly in his life and accomplish these things for him to bless him because of his relationship. Want to be great in the kingdom of God? You want there to be great things done in your life? You need to reduce yourself. You need to you need to lower yourself in the eyes of men. To the point where people would scoff because of what you've given up for the Lord. Because of what you're doing for the Lord. Because it's so alien to society. For he that is least among you. Least. Least among you. 
the same shall be great. Now people come in, well, well, if that's the case, look at David. David was a king. David had power and authority and money. Yeah, how did he achieve it? Not by his hands. The Lord rewarded because of how debased he was. The scripture says David was a man of God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. His faith, his simplicity, his emotion. Read the Psalms. He was a broken, broken, emotional man. He had no confidence in himself at all. That's the point. He wasn't trusting himself. He wasn't trusting his riches. He wasn't trusting his power and authority. When his, when his son Absalom turned against him, he wanted to die than, than have to fight his son. He didn't want to have to hurt anyone or any of that kind of thing. Well, Abraham had power and riches because look at his relationship with God. Well, Solomon, look at his relationship with God at the beginning. Yeah, sure, he went off the rails later on, but because he got off the mark and got filled with pride. But the reason is because of look at his simplicity and childlikeness. You see, we look at the riches, we look at the power, we look at the achievements, and that's entirely the wrong focus. Children have nothing. They've achieved nothing. They're nothing. In the eyes of society, they've achieved nothing and they have no standing. Children don't have a voice. Children don't vote. Children have no uh, adult liberties. Children have to do what they're told. That's what God says we should strive to be. Where we give up our rights and liberties and freedoms. We take no, no thought to our own power and position. We have nothing of our own. We give up everything. We die to self. We forsake all and deny ourselves. You see how it all falls into place now. To receive a childlike standing. To receive faith as a child. Grace as a child. Repentance as a child. You see, children... I should rephrase. Properly trained and disciplined children... <laughs> when they get caught doing something wrong, what do they do? They're broken. They hardly even need to be disciplined because they basically discipline themselves by their attitude of being caught doing that which is wrong. When a child is caught doing something wrong, they, you know, the head's down and they, they start crying, I'm so sorry, and they, they know they're wrong and they acknowledge they're wrong. And You don't have to beat a confession out of them. Faith is a child, obedience is a child, love is a child, obedience Repentance, faith, the standing of a loving child. This child, now look at this child here. Perceiving their thoughts, he took a child and set him by him. 
this child was already there with Jesus. Where did it come from? We're not told. We're not told where the mom or dad of this child was. The parents aren't even mentioned. This child was right here. So they're walking along and they're arguing about who's going to be greatest. And this child is right there. Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, turns around, takes this child and sets him by him. This child was close to Jesus. I could end it right there. This child was already close to Jesus. And this child was an inspiration. This child was an inspiration to the disciples. You see, according to society, you don't learn from children. Children learn from you. Yeah, but God says you learn from children. Now, what I would like you to do next time you're at church or prayer meeting, you're at you're at a Christian function. What I would like you to do, please remember this. I would like you to just be silent just for a bit. And I want you to go over and watch the children. I want you to look at them and pay attention to their behavior. Look at their joy. Look at the simplicity. Look how they get along with others. You see, that's how the Lord looks at us. The Lord looks at us and we look at ourselves as, you know, regal, learned, the educated. I've done this, I've accomplished this, and I've been a Christian this long, and look at me. And we, we, but God looks at us as children playing pretend. <laughs> We're playing pretend. And as one person says, the adults are just children pretending to act like they know what they're doing. That's all we are. We're children play acting like we know what we're doing. <laughs> we're scared little kids stumbling through life, trying to figure things out as we go along, having no idea what we're doing and just hoping it works out. That's all we are. And like another person says, uh, adults are, are just children with more expensive toys. That's all we are. But to come back to the childlike mind of faith and belief and obedience and love of the Lord. God's love and favor isn't earned. You don't have to try to replace someone else for position of favor god doesn't have favorites he doesn't have favorites some say well it would seem he does because look at some of them look at like you know george Mueller. look at hudson taylor you look at spurgeon you look at abraham no 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 again you're looking at it wrong you're looking at the things you're not looking at the person's position you're not looking at the person's relationship with the lord the lord uses those who give themselves to him the lord uses those who 
lower themselves. I must decrease, he must increase. The Lord uses those who are willing to be used. And they say, well, I'm willing to be used. Are you really? Set aside your arrogancy and pride. Forsake all, deny yourself, follow him. You see, as we see in Scripture, the attitude of a right heart with God is the attitude of humility and repentance, not thinking yourself of anything. I'm nothing. I'm not worthy to be his disciple, but he made me worthy by the blood of Christ. He made me worthy by unmerited grace. He makes me worthy because of believing faith. Christ atoned for all that all might be saved. And this atonement is the worthiness. It's his death, his work, his blood, all he's achieved. It's nothing of me. Nothing of me, all of him. Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. Now let's look at greatness. We think Elijah is great because of what he achieved on Mount Carmel and how he opposed Ahab and Jezebel. That wasn't him. He did none of that. He did none of that. That was a little kid that was a little child on the top of mount carmel asking abba father to help god did that david did not defeat goliath and all the rest and become king that was a little child trusting in and asking abba father now you're getting it. Moses did not accomplish those things. Moses did, gave you not that manna from heaven. Moses did not part the sea. Moses did not do those things against Egypt. That was a little child that learned of God in the wilderness before being sent. That was a little child standing before the burning bush that was scared out of his mind. Saying, I, I can't speak, I can't go. And God actually got frustrated with Moses. Because Moses was too scared. And then God says, okay, I'll send you your brother Aaron to go with you, to be your voice for you then. And scared little Moses went, but he trusted in Abba Father. And God did those miracles. Moses achieved nothing. God did it. Moses, as a child, went, trusted, believed. And God worked. And they went everywhere, preaching the gospel and the Lord, working with them, confirming the word with signs following. Greatness is not what we achieve. Greatness is not the things that we do. Greatness is the greatness of believing faith, which is not something you can boast about. I believe more than you do. That's not even a thing. It's not even a thing. 
there's nothing we can boast about because belief is nothing that you see, sense, touch, affects. It's a faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Greatness is not the achievements. Greatness is faith. How much of a trusting, believing, loving child you are. How humble and meek and lowly. That's what it's about. Greatness. And then we see something else happen here. Verse 49. Luke 9 verse 49. And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him because he falleth not with us. Let's rewind the tape, shall we? Okay, so John says, you know, as we were going along, we saw there were some others who believed in you, trusted in you, believed in you, were preaching of you, but they weren't following uh, following you like we were. They, they were not with us in the same way. And we forbade them from doing that because they were not like us. They were not following us. Okay. Jesus said unto him, forbid him not. For he that is not against us is for us. Oh, if we would just learn that one. You see, the thing with children, children don't discriminate. They learn to. They're taught to. Children, when they look at people, they see people. They see other kids. And they go and play with other kids. You have to learn to see differences and, and treat people different and to and all and to create schisms you have to learn to create cliques and clans and schisms now jesus has forbid him not for he that is not against us is for us if someone is believing in the gospel of the lord god jesus christ by grace or faith to belief alone they're your brother and sister in christ regardless of how else they're going about it you see well i'm a this denomination and they're that denomination but because they're not of us they're not of christ that's not how it works if they believe in the lord god jesus christ by grace through faith by belief alone like the scripture says they're saved regardless of denomination denominationalism does not save you churchianity does not save you your mystical holiness doesn't save you because they're not of the same level as you that they're not as great as you that that that's that's pride and that's not what scriptures teaches here forbid them not they may not have all the education and abilities and all the rest like like you might, but they have Christ. Who do you think you are to to stop them or to hinder them or to speak against them, if they're if they're going out and speaking for the Lord? Are you going out speaking for the Lord? Forbid him not. Forbid him not. For he that is not against us is for us. But, but look, look what they're doing. They're out there doing things that I don't think they should be doing. And I don't believe that's right what they're saying, what they're doing in there. Are they 
born again saved or your brother and sister in Christ and what you do against them, you're doing against Christ. Are you praying for them as much as you are gossiping and backbiting and speaking evil of them? Are you praying for them that they would learn, that they would repent? Are you praying that they would grow in Christ? Or are you just being disparaging against them? What you speak about them, what you do to them, you're speaking about and doing against Christ. That's the scripture says. And that goes for everything. That goes for everything and anything. Anytime you speak ill and you speak negative and you treat negatively other Christians, regardless what the context is, you're doing so against the body of Christ. That goes for entertainment, for politics, for uh, likes and dislikes and everything else. What you say and what you do against other believers, you're doing so against the body of Christ. And even if they're unsaved, you're doing so against someone that Christ has died for. Christ is atoned for and wants to be saved. Are you praying for their salvation? Or are you just backbiting them into hell? Some things to consider. Forbid them not. Forbid them not. Judge righteously. Judge not after the appearance it's not what enters the man that defiles him, but what comes out of the heart. You judge righteously. You judge by the word of God. You judge by righteousness. You see, children, if there's something that bothers the child, what does the child do? They go and ask of their parents. They bring it up to their parents. If there's something that bothers you about someone else or something some, some, about something that someone else is doing or saying or whatever, bring it to the Lord and ask of him and he'll teach you and help you. You see, the children ask permission. The children ask their parents for information, for knowledge, for wisdom, for advice. And they, they seek their parents to guide them and help them in everything. Children learn of the parents. Children have a tendency to not just take things in their own hand. And if they do, they will learn whether that was right or wrong. The parents will correct them. Forbid them not. For he that is not against us is for us. He that is not against us is for us. Now, we want to look at what the context is that Jesus is referring to. It's not just about Bible in general and just Jesus in general. Like, this is where some people say, well, you see, we'll look at Catholics and Seventh-day Adventists. They're, they're, they are for Christ, not the Christ of the Bible. There are many that call themselves Christ. There's only one Christ. For he that is not against us is for. So this is where it comes down to making sure of the doctrine, making sure of the Christ that they affirm. Because there are many out there feigning themselves and uh, believing themselves to be of Christ, but they'll cry, Lord, Lord, in that day. How do you know who is of Christ and who is not? You look at the doctrine of the heart, the confession of faith. What Jesus are they affirming? What gospel are they saying they believe in? For he that is not against us is for us. And that goes to not... Again, he used the word discriminate of people because of lifestyle. 
Well, look at that individual. They're tattooed up and everything else. And they're, look at the music and the entertainment. Look at all what they're doing. You're judging of the appearance. Some people are a bit more childlike than others. And some people are just more honest. Some people just don't hide. And, you know, they have a bit more to learn or whatever else. And we have a tendency to classify and label people based upon the outward appearance, just as Jesus said not to do. Meanwhile, we're sinning just as much, but just in different ways, and we're thinking that our sins are not as bad as other people's sins, even though all sin is the same in the eyes of God. And we're all raging hypocrites. We're all raging hypocrites. So we got to learn to just... Let go and live. Set the scripture first. A child will obey whatever they're told. Who are we listening to? Ourselves, others, or the Lord? Whose authority are we putting first as that which controls our thinking and our reasoning? Ourselves, others, or the Lord? He that is not against us is for us. I would like you to underline, highlight, or mark that verse. He that is not against us is for us. And I want you to really think on that one. Meditate on that one. How far does that go? Verse 51. And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans and to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. So the Samaritans rejected Jesus because, well, you know, the whole thing between the Samaritans and the Jews and they hated each other. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, how the Samaritans rejected them because who they were, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elijah did? Now, if you know the story of Elijah, not only did, did fire come down on Mount Carmel, consume the altar, but later on, near the end of Elijah's time, he was sitting on, on the hillside. This after Mount Carmel. He was sitting on a hillside, and uh, the armies of Ahab and Jezebel were coming up. A couple different platoons of soldiers are coming up to, to arrest him. And the first uh, group came, and Elijah called down fire on them and consumed them. Second group came, and same thing. Third group came and the, the sergeant was very apologetic and, you know, oh, please forgive us, please don't harm us, and was more respectful and they were not consumed. So that's what the disciples were referring to here about calling down fire to consume those that oppose and hate the Lord. Well, though that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elijah did. But Jesus turned and rebuked them rebuked them for that even that very thought of that he rebuked them for that and said you know not what manner of spirit you're of for the son of man has not come to destroy men's lives but to save them scripture says speak evil of no man 
but 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 even if even if they are of different politics speak evil of no man you, you know not what manner of spirit you're of but but even if they're render not evil for evil love your enemies bless those that hate you pray for those that persecute you but but even if they wear a mask but but even if they have a differing opinion on vaccines and politics and philosophies and other stuff even if even if even if there's no exception speaking of speaking of no man unless they believe differently you about needles render not evil for evil and love your enemy unless they have a differing political stance in you we got a lot to learn see we're we're so quick and we're so quick to judge and hate and classify and label and and treat differently uh, so many people so swiftly we're so quick to jump to conclusions and assume and presume we're so quick to hate on people because of their stance or but children don't little children don't little children are quick to forgive and love quick to laugh they're quick to run to their parents little children yeah you, you know not what manner of spirit you're of are you are you of the spirit of a child that's it right there the spirit of a child the son of man has not come to destroy men's lives but to save them what does a child do when 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 people turn against them they run to their parent they don't stand there and fight them and spit back curse and spit and and everything else back they don't hate them back and slander back the child runs to the parent. The spirit of a child. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. The point is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where is the gospel of salvation in all of this? Where is salvation? Where is the kingdom of God? Verse 57, and it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Oh, that's great. That's great. The Lord loves to hear that. The Lord wants to hear that. He wants to hear more people say that. I will, I will follow you where, wherever you go. And Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Foxes have holes, birds there have nests. 
The Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. What does that mean? What does it mean in that matter? It's not about this world. You want to follow the Lord? You're going to have to learn humility. You want to follow the Lord? You better get used to not much. Because it's not about the treasures of this world. It's not about the kingdoms of this world. It's not about power and fame and notoriety. It's not about adoration. You're going to be hated and, and rejected and despised. You're going to be a social pariah. You're, you're, going, to, you're going to be uh, cast out. You're going to lose family. You're going to lose friends. You're going to lose all kinds of things. This, this is just what happens when you follow the Lord. You're going to be opposed. By devils and mankind. And then we'd hear nothing about that person. The person doesn't respond. They say, oh, I'll follow you. Not expecting, not understanding the point of following him. Why are you following Christ? Are you following Christ because you think that God is going to make you healthy, wealthy, rich, and powerful? You're going to have your best life now? Yeah, because Jesus died on the cross so you could get a new Mercedes. Yeah, that's not what it's about. It's not about your best life now. It's not about riches and wealth. It's not about power and fame. It's not about health and strength. It's not what it's about. It's about spirit. It's about repentance. It's about sin and forgiveness. It's about salvation and the relationship with God. And if you're looking at the relationship with God as equal to receiving riches, you know not God. Your God is the mighty dollar bill and you are of the devil. Foxes have holes. The birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Don't look at things. It's not about things. And another said, and, and, and he said unto another, he turned to someone else and says, follow me. And he says, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. I, I want to, I will, but I have a lot to do right now. I got to look after family and do all this stuff over here first. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. What does he mean by that? You, you, you want to serve the Lord, but you're so overcome with things, responsibilities and, and work and stuff. It will take care of itself. And the Lord will look after that stuff. If you would just give yourself to the Lord, he will look after that. That which is of nature and creation and life will deal with itself. The kingdom of God is more important than family. The kingdom of God is more important than your job. The kingdom of God is more important than money, health, wealth, power, all the rest. The kingdom of God is more important than even family responsibility. That's what he means by that. And the vast majority of people don't want to hear that. They don't like that. They get offended at that. Let the dead bury their dead. It'll look after itself. The Lord will help work it out. You give that to the Lord. Come follow me.
deny yourself, forsake all. Die to self. Let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. That that which is that which is holding you back from serving the Lord is not of God. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Why aren't you? Why won't you? Well, well, Lord, I want to go, but but I got I got my schedule, I got my work. Lord, I want to follow you, but you know my family. I want to follow you, but but this. I want it, but I want to, but I want to, but 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 but. Excuses, 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 excuses. What do children do? What do children do? If a child, if a little child is taken with something and is occupied with something and something of great value and power and interest comes to them, what does a child do? They don't even think about it. They get up and run to this other thing. A child easily lets go when they're presented with something big, powerful, new, and rich. The kingdom of God. Jesus walks in the room with this great gift and offers it out to the child. The child looks over, eyes go wide, and they can run into it. They don't even think about the, the other. The spirit of a child and childlike faith, they let go easily. You see, children don't try to reason them their way out of things like that adults do children don't really logic their way through things adults do you see when it comes to the kingdom of god it comes to doctrine theology the word of god the obedience of faith we're supposed to be like children And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. I, I want to follow you, but let me go and just finish up all this other stuff over here first. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's not salvationary. You see, a lot of people actually take verse 62 and they make it a salvationary passage when it's not. You see, they say, no man putting their hand to the plow looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. If you keep looking back at the world, you're not going to heaven. That's not what that means. This is talking about following as a disciple, about, about being used of God for work. The Lord being able to use you for work. This is not about salvation. You can't lose your salvation, and salvation is not by works. This is not a salvationary passage. This is about the Lord being able to use you, fit for use. Look at the context of what we were just looking at. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. If you're constantly going to be worried about family, worried about home, and worried about everything else, and worried about all this other stuff, the Lord can't use you because you're faithless. You want to be used of God? you got to be like a child and not even worry about it. 
Do little children worry about where their next meal is going to come from? Do little children worry about their bank accounts? Do little children worry about their health and strength? Do little children worry about everything? No. They have to learn to worry. Children are so free-spirited. Hmm. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me. Let's actually rephrase that just a little bit. Whosoever shall receive the spirit of a child in my name receiveth me. You want to be used of the Lord? You want to be fit for the use of the kingdom of God? You want to follow the Lord in faith and simplicity? Do you want to understand what it means to be a faithful disciple of Christ? Look at a child. We have a lot of unlearning to do. We have a lot of fears and worries and stresses and anxieties we worry about. We worry about our health. We worry about our finances. We worry about our cupboards. We worry about our fridges. We worry about our cars. We worry about the cats and the dogs and the fish. We worry about family, uh, parents and brothers and sisters and relatives. We worry about our jobs. We worry about school. We worry about bills. We worry about... Now, the past, we worry about the future, we worry about completely made up hypothetical situations. We worry about, if we're not worrying about everything, we're not happy. We have to worry. We gotta worry. And if you're not worrying about something, then there's something wrong with you. Meanwhile, while all the adults are over here stressing their minds out, the little children over here are playing Lego and couldn't care less. <laughs> the Lord says, forget the things of the past, take no thought of the morrow. Worry not, fear not, doubt not, stress not, fret not, be anxious for nothing, cast your care upon me, for I care for you. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. The Lord wants us to be able to serve him without a care in the world. To just follow the Lord and pray without a care in the world. To just go and when you come across someone else and like an excited little child, you boast about your father. You boast about your father and you tell the others about, about that whom you know and and you go on your way, not worrying, because you're not the one that saves them or changes them or convicts them. That's the Spirit of God. You just go as a little child and scamper about here and there and telling about Jesus and without a care in the world. That's the point. That is what the Lord can use. That's what pleases the Lord. The Lord doesn't want you to be some guru, monk, mystic, locked in a monastery, long-faced, horse-faced, wearied, and beating yourself, thinking you can earn the favor of God. It's not about that. 
you already have his his all favor you already have his attention and you already have his ear his eye is already upon you and you're sealed with his spirit washed clean by his blood his name is upon your heart and your name's written in the lamb's book of life you're held in the hand of the father and the spirit of christ is inside you and standing beside you and is guiding you helping you strengthening you what more do you need what more do you want all the lord asks now is would you just would you just shut up sit down and follow me would you just stop caring about it? Would you just drop all that's in your hands and just listen to me? Sit beside me. Sit still. Now listen. Like a little child, listen. And like a little child's big eyes, we stare up at our father and we listen. And he tells us and he teaches us and he instructs us. And he says, now follow me. And we grab his hand and he leads us through the mountains and through the valleys, we walk with him. And we don't worry about it because he's in charge. He has the staff and the rod. He leads and he protects. The child hides behind the parent when danger comes. So do we. We learn so much from children. Freedom, joy, curiosity, love, faith, belief, honesty simplicity look at the life of a child the life of a child they don't worry about it to even if i may you look at little children in third world countries where they got nothing they have nothing they have rags for clothes playing in the dirt and mud they have they don't have all of our advancements they don't have our technology they don't have our health systems they don't have our schooling they have nothing and they hardly have any food but look at them playing look at them running around and laughing and playing and taking advantage of what they do have look at john the baptist he had rags for clothes. He hardly had any food. But look at the joy of the heart. He was the greatest of the prophets. You're not great in the eyes of God because you got a fancy suit and dress. You're not, you're not powerful and great in the eyes of God because you go to a great big fancy church building. You're part of a big fancy congregation. You're not great in the eyes of God because you tithe so much and you do so much. You're great in the eyes of God because you have faith and spirit of a child. Look at John the Baptist. You look at the, look at the widow with the two mites. She had nothing but two pennies. They were great in the eyes of God and blessed of God. We would learn to just decrease in everything. Decrease in our obscene arrogance. In our obscene religiosity. We need to decrease in our mysticisms. Decrease in our, in our own presumptions. Decrease in our pride. And be like a child. And just get along 
get along with one another. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. But while we are in the world, we need to walk as children. The Lord walks before us and he leads the way. We can learn so much from a child. Luke chapter 9. There you go. Any thoughts, comments? What's on your heart? What's on your mind? It's taken me a lot. And I still have a lot to learn. It's very hard. It's very, very, very hard <laughs> to let go. It's very, very hard to keep your mind like that. Because we have a tendency, we, we, we want, we really want to control our situations. We want to hold on and call the shots. We want to worry and stress and fret. We want to control others. We want to be better than others. We want to judge and control and manipulate. But the Lord says to let all of that go. We want to tell others what to do. We want to be the right ones in everything that we're, we're doing that we're doing it all we have it all cut and dried but if a man thinketh he knoweth anything he does he doth not yet know as he ought to know children think they know everything <laughs> especially teenagers think they know everything they think they're smarter than their parents. They think they can hide things from their parents. That they can sneak around. They don't think that, that the parents know that they, they snitched that cookie. They don't think that, that you know that, that, that they're going off doing it. They're always wondering how you have eyes on the back of your head. You know, I... I don't quite remember it, but my mom tells me about it. That when when I, we were really little, we we actually thought mom could see through walls. That she somehow had X-ray vision that she could see through the wall, because somehow she always knew that we were we were getting into no good, even when we were in the other room and there's no physical way she could possibly see it she did she always knew children think they're smart now what can we learn from that what can we learn from that god sees everything not only can he see through walls, 
He sees right through you in every way, shape, and form. He sees every single atom of your being. He sees and hears every single firing of the neurons of the mind. He sees all of the thoughts of the heart. He sees, hears, knows everything that is about you, of you, in you, by you. He knows you more than you know yourself. He knows exactly what you're going to do before you do it. Just like a parent. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He knows what you're going to do next year. He knows your past. He knows your present. He knows your future. Stop hiding. Stop pretending. Be honest with God. Be honest with your Father. Walk humbly with thy God. If my people, which are called by my name, should humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. How much we can learn from a child. That was probably one of the deepest messages that Jesus taught. Really, when you really break it down, when you really break it down and you look at all the intricacies of the whole thing, it was probably one of the deepest messages that Jesus taught was when he set the little child beside him and said, be as a child. And not only that, probably, probably is the most difficult message to obey out of all of the messages that Jesus taught. That one right there is probably the most difficult one to obey. To be as a child, because we don't want to be. We want, we want to be mature adults. We want to be independent. We want to be the shock takers. We want to be the ones in charge. I want to control my life. I want to do what I want to do. I want independency. But we're told to not have independency in God. We're supposed to have dependency in every way, shape, and form. We grow up in society. We grow up in society being told, you need to grow up. You need to grow up. You need to grow up. Think for yourself. Be independent. Believe in yourself. But then God says, no, let go. Let go. Let go. Be as a child. Be as a child. Be as a child. You learn more being as a child. Children are happy, dependent, loving, trusting. What, aren't, aren't adults? Not as much. Not as much. You see, children don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Children, when they receive a gift, they receive it fully. Parents, adults, 
are always looking for the negative. They're always looking for the negative. Always looking for the problem. Children don't. Children don't. Children know more than us sometimes. Children are happier than us. Children are closer to God than us. We should learn from children. That's what Jesus said, did he not? Jesus told his disciples, the disciples, the very apostles of Jesus Christ, were told to be as children. Learn from this child. You know, children are bold. Very bold. Children aren't naturally afraid of other people. They have to learn to be. Children have to be taught to be afraid of other people. A child that isn't taught that, you see it often. The child just wanders around other people and strangers and no care in the world, bumping into everything. That's what children do. They're not afraid. Fear is learned. You have to learn to fear. You have to learn to look for the negative. You have to learn to mistrust. So we need to relearn to be as a child of our Father. We've been adopted. We're all adopted. We're all adopted. Think about that one. We came from a different family that had different rules. Different education. We learned differently. We learned the complete opposite of what the family of God dictates and teaches. We have to learn to let go of our previous family, of its stances, of its controls of its thinking and reasoning, let go of the previous life and become a new creature. Stop trying to bring in the culture of the previous family into this new family. We're not going to change the new family to be like the other or to mesh the two together. You can't mesh the two. You can't drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. It's the family of God or the family of sin. The family of sin is independent, stubborn, arrogant, thinks for itself, is fearful, worrying, afraid about everything, you know, all of that. The dark mind 
We're supposed to walk in the light as he is in the light. We're supposed to be of Christ, of all Christ-likeness. To think and walk and act and work as Christ did. That's what Christ-likeness means. Of attitude, be, attitude, behavior, and emotion, and thinking, and everything. Think about that. You're, a, you're an adopted child. An adopted child. And everything that goes with that. Think about it. So there you go. Angela says, my 11-year-old daughter is really enjoying this message. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Uh, Lisa says, so true. My oldest child would just blurt out anything she thinks. Latest is about mommy you will get cookies first because you don't want more back rolls. Ah, <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah. Oh, we make God laugh. <laughs> you know, God has a sense of humor. He really does. He really does. God laughs. God is a God of joy and laughter. Do you really see Jesus walking around with the children and him so so stuck up and you know somber? No, he'd be down with the kids and laughing and joking with them and and looking at them and smiling. God laughs. He has a sense of humor. He has a sense of humor. We make him laugh all the time. You look at what little kids do sometimes and the dumb things they do and the things they say and everything else and how we laugh at them. God laughs. We make him laugh. We make God laugh. Joy. Joy. Simplicity. Faith. Belief. Honesty. Sincerity. Everything that that entails. Angela says, My dad was a cop and taught me to be safe in a dangerous world. You want to be smart so you don't so you don't get hurt, but you don't have to fear. Right. Walking in fear, you're going to wind up making your home in a bank vault. And you're never going to leave. Become paranoid. But that's the complete, abs absolute opposite of what the Lord is trying to teach us. So, what does it mean to have faith of a child? So I'll wrap it up there. Wrap it up there. All right, folks. So there you go. Thank you so much for joining in. God bless you. If you appreciate these studies, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon so you know we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We got tons and tons and tons of stuff uh, over there in different playlists. Check out the playlist according to the Bible. According to the Bible, go check that out. And we got a ton of stuff in there, a lot of goodies. We got playlists on uh, proving the Bible true. That's a great series there of uh, uh, archaeological discoveries and others and scientific discoveries that prove Christianity true. We got uh, what they actually believe as a playlist of all other belief systems and religions and people, other people who preach other things and what they're actually all about. And it's really good for that. If you want that for research, we also got. Uh, 
exposing darkness of uh, exposing people and beliefs and teachings and things and for what they're actually all about got tons and tons of stuff and as well we got our website christiancoffeetime.ca we've got links to all our other platforms and other goodies um and also uh, links to the shops and stuff. So check all that out as well. We got uh, free downloadable PDFs of our gospel tracks. Uh, take advantage of that. And then print those off and hand those out. Alrighty. So we got tons of stuff there. So with that, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much for joining in. God bless you. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again, folks. And as always. If I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.